Hello and welcome to Marketers Book Club, where we ask how great marketing can connect people with the causes they love. I'm your host, Martin Campbell. In this, our very first edition, we'll begin our journey through This Is Marketing by Seth Godin, and we'll be discussing that with our panel. Joining us today, I am delighted to welcome Rebecca Gosein, Digital Marketing Specialist in World Vision Canada's peer-to-peer -peer team, Denise Black, our Director of Offering Fulfillment, and our special guest, Karis Dorrit, all the way from the UK, otherwise known as just up the road from me, strategic marketer and founder of the marketing agency, The Polka. Welcome. And of course, I'll also say welcome to the final member of our book club today, which is you, dear listener. So we invite you to pour yourself a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy yourself as we dive into today's book. I first came across Seth Godin about 25 years ago when I bought this copy, which I still have on the bookshelf, of Permission Marketing. And since then, Seth Godin's gone on to establish himself as a widely respected thinker, speaker and author, as well as being a very successful entrepreneur in his own right. More recently, he's been focused on projects to educate and equip marketing professionals like ourselves for the rapidly changing world with projects like the Alternative MBA and his online marketing seminar. From those projects, Seth has drawn together the themes and ideas that have come up in his work throughout the recent decades and brought them all together for us in one book. If you don't already have a copy, our book club should give you a flavour of what it's all about. And I think it's fair to say that we would all recommend it. So let's dive in to chapter one, which is entitled, rather long title, Not Mass, Not Spam, Not Shameful. In this chapter, as the title implies, Seth challenges traditional views of marketing, especially what he calls aggressive mass market tactics advocating instead for trust-based, empathetic and service-oriented approaches. He focuses on ethical considerations, highlighting the negative impacts of self-centered marketing strategies. And he highlights the roles of trust as a central component of effective marketing and in how it enables the shift from transactional to relational engagement with audiences. So as we dive into this very first chapter, let me go first to Rebecca um, and just ask, how does this definition of marketing differ from where we've been traditionally and what implications does this have for us as marketers? Yeah, so Seth Godin's definition of marketing is radically different from anything that I had ever learned or heard about marketing. Um, and especially for me, not having a formal marketing background, I always thought of marketing as, you know, a little bit shady, a little bit, you know, not sure what you're what you're going to get. And Godin refers to this in the book too, saying that for a long time, he equated advertising with marketing. And for me, that was a long held assumption as well. But he really flips that on the head by saying, you know, marketing doesn't have to be that nor should it be. But we can really enter into a new era and better 
long-term retention if we approach marketing from a place of service and community building. And I thought that was really refreshing and freeing as a marketer. Fantastic. Karis? I think Rebecca's made brilliant points that I can build on perhaps just a little bit. And when I read um, Seth's book, the first chapter, it struck me that he's really challenging us to think again about how we view ourselves as marketers, kind of flip our marketing mindset, as it were. And actually reading that first couple of chapters is, is quite humbling because he is challenging us not to think about ourselves, but to think about serving our audiences, our customers and our supporters, and not start from a place of selling, which is, as Rebecca said, what we marketers are often traditionally thought our role to be. So I think it's a humbling read, challenging read, and one that I think helps us change our way. Indeed. I, I think that word challenging just comes up again and again, doesn't it? I think one of the most challenging questions that he asks or statements that he makes mm -hmm. in right at the top of the book is, is this idea of not shameful, that he actually calls out a lot of marketing practices as unethical. So I, I, I wanted to go deeper into that. In what ways have we seen marketing practices become unethical and how can we avoid those pitfalls? Denise, maybe I'll come to you on this one. Yeah, sure. I think that uh, in some cases, what marketers can end up doing, if you don't see the consumer as the, the person that you're actually trying to serve and you're more trying to serve the company as opposed to the consumer, is when you start using practices like over-promising. Uh, for example, if it's like the toothpaste company and they're saying like, this can whiten your teeth in a day or so or 24 hours, you'll have all these nice bright teeth. Uh, and you know that's an overpromise, but you go out with it anyways. That that is something that would be unethical. Or even if prices are raised um, a week before, and then they say big sale, but then all of a sudden you realize actually it wasn't a sale. It was just you inflated the price the week before, but then came back down. I think mm -hmm. those are some examples or hidden fees. Um, where you, the consumer believes that they're actually paying for a certain price, but then when you actually read the fine print, there's a lot of other prices that are involved in that. Those are things that are not necessarily putting the consumer at the center um, and kind of a way of um, not necessarily trickery, but getting them to buy a product without giving them the full information. Yeah, I don't think Seth would hesitate to call that trickery. I think you're <laughs> absolutely right. That, that, that's where he's going. And interestingly, that in all of those examples, we weren't talking about advertising. We were talking about the product experience mm -hmm. itself. That, that was the thing that maybe didn't deliver on the promise of the, the advertising campaign. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in this idea of, of um, so this sort of sharp practice, unethical practices, because we then get the idea that trust can become or should be the core tenet of marketing, building trust, honoring trust um, as a just sort of fundamental thing that marketers should really start and end with. So I wonder if, if we could have some examples of where um, either where positive trust has helped or perhaps starting with where a lack of trust has um, had a long term effect on a, a company or a, or a campaign. Denise, I think you were yeah so for the lack of trust i think there's a few uh examples of that so one is um a car company that that claimed that it had clean diesel but in fact uh when it was found out 
that their those practices were actually not accurate. Another company was with a serial company that said that it would improve the child's attentiveness by 20%, but when actually pushed by FTC, um, that number was also not accurate. So that was an exaggerated result. Um, and then there are other companies that would say like, it'll reduce your wrinkles by X, Y, Z. And in fact, that's actually not the case as well. So those are uh, a few examples of, of uh, companies that have used exaggerated results um, to get people to buy their products. Oh, but don't, don't we want to believe those things? They're so tempting, <laughs> aren't they? I mean, I'll, I'll take the wrinkles, but increasing my children's attentiveness, that I, I definitely pay money for that. No, no, you're, you're, you're right. And there's, yes, we, we, it's easy to overstep that and get into over-promising, isn't it? Karis, I think you had a couple of ideas on this one. I did. I, I've, I've got an example of where a company has earned trust. And I think just a really interesting um, topic for us to be talking about as as marketers because i think it if if you're working towards earning the trust of your audience it demonstrates that you have a profound respect for them an understanding and empathy but also a respect for that audience and i think that is very very important for us as marketers to sort of start with that we really respect who we're talking to and we start to earn their trust over time. It can't be magic. It can't. There's no quick fix. There's no hacks. There's no like ten top tips to just get to trust. It's something which is earned. It's hard work. In fact, it's a bit of a slog sometimes. Marketing is the long game. And I think the business, the shoe business, Tom's, is a really good example of a company that has earned the trust of its of its customer base through putting its mission to do good beyond selling shoes front and center of its business. So when I was looking at its website, there right in the middle is its impact report. So how are we helping the world with the profit we make from shoes? And that to me demonstrates that there's a commitment to the long term and that commitment to the long term can earn the trust of its customers and the wider audience. But it's not something that can be fixed or magicked quickly. And I think it's a point that Seth makes throughout his book that there is no hack, there is no silver bullet. All of this stuff takes time. It is the long game. Mm. Yes, I mean, that's, I mean, this whole first chapter, isn't it, is so challenging. And that idea that you've got to build trust and that there's no shortcuts and it's going to take some time, that just just strike fear into our hearts, doesn't it, as marketer? But I've got a target to hit. How am I going to do this? And that, uh, that constant tightrope balance between this year's targets and next year's sustainable organization, just just so incredibly challenging there. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd love to explore this idea of trust further. I think he gets back to it later on in the book, the idea, sort of talking about the idea that trust is the one thing that you can't say. <laughs> you just have to do it. Yeah. You, the yeah. more you say, trust me, the less trustworthy you are. <laughs> so you can't, um, you, 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 there is no shortcut. To, to that kind of thing. Um, so, so with that, that kind of, um, I guess that that difficult um, challenge, that pushback to say, well, we've got to do all these long-term things um, before we get onto this. How how can we as marketers balance the needs of sort of being persuasive and you know trying to to make things happen soonish um, without being invasive or or unethical? I think we've. You know, we're we're off, we're forever walking that tightrope, tightrope, aren't we? As as charities, so what um 
what, what might be our lessons, maybe some things that have worked and some things that are not working, perhaps. Um, Denise, I'll come to you on that one. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a definitely a balance, in fact. And I think with uh, what Seth Gordon was basically saying is basically putting the consumer at the center of it all and being very consumer centric in terms of uh, when you're trying to market something, it's basically saying this is the problem that we believe that you have, and this is the answer to that particular problem. And I think if we're able to do that, you need to understand who the consumer really is and you need to put in the work. To, to understand the, the consumer, to make sure that they say, oh, wow, this person really understands who I am and they're offering me something to get to the life that I want or the desires that I want or the need that I want. Um, and I think the time where it becomes unbalanced is when the consumer feels that it is a more of a pressure tactic. So if you're not taking that time and it's basically like, get the sale, get the sale, get the sale, um, then that's when that becomes a problem and that you can see sometimes through that through some door to door things and some things that it basically like you don't have the time to have a conversation, but it's just you can feel that sense of pressure to buy right now. Um, mm -hmm. And the other one would even be sometimes in direct mail where you really have to understand who your uh, consumer really is um, and put things in front of them that you know that they actually want, as opposed to just here's everything we have, <laughs> which one would you like to uh, support? Because that comes across as you don't really know me, you haven't really done your research, so it's harder to build trust that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that does, I mean, we're, we're seeing as charities the, the real challenges of any sort of face-to-face -face marketing, but particularly what used to be a very effective way of reaching people door to door. Um, now we just see such high cancellation rates because people might be interested on the doorstep but because we haven't put in that time actually that's that's quite a shallow experience for them and they're, they're not really convinced by it at the end of the day so no we, we can definitely see that i think explaining why some of the things that used to work no longer are effective for us um i'm, I'm interested in the peer-to-peer -peer space here where we're working with others to um to persuade and do that without being invasive or unethical. Rebecca, what's been your experience about how we can strike that balance? Yeah, so peer-to-peer -peer is interesting because you get a little bit of both. Like you do earn trust in a sense because you have people who are advocating on your behalf. They, they believe in this project, whether it's a peer-to-peer -peer campaign for clean water or to deliver food to places in need. Um, but now, they now have the task of trying to sell their family and friends to believe in this as well. And so some of the feedback we get is that some people are not comfortable asking their friends or family uh, to support in that way, or the people being asked feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and so to that, I would say in alignment with, with Godin's tips is really focusing on being authentic and just being honest like this this is what we're doing and it, as world vision we do have that impact reporting as well if people have more questions if they're a little bit on the fence we can share that with them but if they're not at a place that where they're ready to donate or we can see that they're uncomfortable i think we really need to not push where um it could be tempting to, but uh, pushing, I think, backfires on us in the long run. And I think even just getting in front of someone um, 
kind of sows that seed so that maybe if they're not comfortable this year, but now they have that awareness that, hey, World Vision um, does clean water projects all around the world. I'm going to take that, maybe do a little research on my own. Maybe next year I would be in a place to participate or to donate. But um, as, as a charity or any organization, I think not being pushy uh, really would serve us well in the long run. Absolutely, and that's I think heard loud and clear in that in that challenge there. And I, I think that's probably a good place to to sort of move on beyond the challenge and start to look at kind of Seth's ideas for how can you actually address these challenges because he doesn't just leave us with a chapter of challenge. He he takes us forward. So in the next chapter, it, which is entitled "The Marketer Learns to See." Um, it, it, he addresses uh, something which I think is widely accepted wisdom in many organisations I've worked with, but which the uh, you know Seth suggests that we sometimes don't do this as well as we think we are, uh, and the key idea is to really understand our audience and to specifically to see the world from their perspective. And this is something, one of my other favorite books of his, the um, All Marketers Are Liars, or as it's been retitled, All, Mar All Marketers Tell Stories. Um, absolutely, that's that's all that this is about. And this is a, a, a huge issue for us as marketers, how we're perceived by our um, potential supporters, and particularly what are their needs, their desires, and their worldviews. Um, and he then proposes this five-step approach to say that we should first invent a worthwhile product with a compelling story, then find a specific audience, and then find a way to match their narrative so that we present our product not as we see it, but as they then we go on to spread the word and show up consistently. So spreading the word is advertising. <laughs> and showing up consistently is something he talks about a fair bit as, as, as well. So what if we dive into those? I think the, the idea of sort of seeing from the audience's perspective, how does that change our traditional marketing approaches? Maybe we could pick up on peer-to-peer. -peer. What's been our experience there in engaging with our peer-to-peer -peer audiences? Yeah, so last year, the peer to peer team uh, created a new product around climate um, for for youth. And we thought that, you know, this is a an issue that youth are generally uh, passionate about. And this could be a really good way to engage this next generation. But to Seth's point, the first time around, we kind of went the traditional route and did what we thought was best for this audience and learned that although this topic was important to this audience, which was confirmed in our test, the way that we delivered um, didn't resonate with this group. So for for this year, we changed our approach and actually um, recruited a group of high school-aged youth to help co-plan the campaign and really inform what they want to see in a climate campaign. And that's been a game changer because even as we've been planning things that I was, you know, 99% sure would be a hit with this audience, I found out that that was not the case and that maybe I'm a little out of touch with the youth of today. <laughs> I can I can definitely resonate with that feeling for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a very interesting sort of paradigm shift, isn't it? To to sort of get ourselves into that audience's shoes first. Um, 
What what strikes you when it comes to Karis now? What strikes you about this five step process? You sort of talked earlier about the challenge, and this this gives us a way to maybe uh, respond to that. But how do those steps help us to overcome those challenges and get us to more effective marketing? Well, I I think exactly as you say. If, if chapter one is all about the challenge and and us marketers being left with that, oh, on earth are we going to do this? Then chapter two starts to give us this framework. And actually, reading this framework, I think is it, you, you get a sense that if you do this stuff well and you really get it and you really embrace it and you you commit to you know respecting your audience, earning their trust and putting yourself in their shoes, actually marketing your marketing activity is freed. It's freed up, it's it's liberating. It becomes much easier to fulfill because sometimes I think people feel their marketing's a bit like cringy, awkward. You know, it's hard, it's hard work. And if you take Seth's approach and you truly put yourself in the shoes of your audience and you and you don't try and sell, you try and serve and you think of your marketing as a way of providing something of value to the people that you're talking to, that's a lot easier when you're trying to connect with people, mm. trying to give them something that they find useful they're going to find helpful, inspiring, funny, whatever value means to them, then that that gives us license to do some really great stuff. And if we move away from just the selling bit, which can be awkward, cringy, no one likes doing it, no one likes being on the receiving end either, we move ourselves to a new space, then happy days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Denise, what's your take on the on those five steps? Yeah, I definitely agree with all of those. Those were fantastic points. I think the other thing that I could probably add is around consistency, because you can kind of tell uh, a company that just wants to get you to buy something. And then once you bought something, you never hear from that company again. Um, so there is a big difference between um, uh, marketing to sell something and then marketing to have a relationship with the actual uh, consumer and putting that consumer front and center like we've uh, talked through throughout this um this podcast is basically trying to see who they are what their desires are and to constantly show up in a way that is ethical uh in a way that is authentic that basically lines up with the values of the organization um in a way that's consistent so that they they see you as i trust this company this company totally understands who i am um and not only that they'll buy from you that but that at some point eventually they'll end up spreading the word for you because that's basically the hope of the whole campaign of course the uh yeah the light at the end of the tunnel i think you'd call it it's challenging to hear that you have to put in all that work before you get to the good stuff but then, uh, yeah, as you say, Kara, so then you then you get to that liberation point. Well, we will go further into the book and look at these ideas uh, even further in later um, episodes of our book club. But that is where we're going to wrap it up for today. Um, we hope that you'll join us next time as we explore more of these ideas in This Is Marketing. And in the meantime, I'd love to hear from you, particularly your own experiences with the questions that we've talked about today. Depending on which platform you've used to join the book club, you can either use the comments feature to share your thoughts and questions for us on the panel, or simply email me, comments at marketersbookclub.org. We look forward to hearing from you and to joining you again soon at the Marketers Book Club. Mm -hmm.